the 276th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to Worthy, Worthy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebound, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hey everyone, welcome to this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, here with you guys. As always, this edition of the podcast, powered by Carolina Electrical Services, and it is Anthony here by himself here with you guys recapping Carolina's victory over Northern Iowa. Uh, it's a big one for Carolina because, you know, this is one Carolina struggled early in the game. They find a way to rally and take down a team that uh, is projected to finish second in one of the most prestigious mid-major conferences in the country. So I'm going to walk you through all of that. Uh, Also, during this, uh, I should be able to tell you, I'm going to see how long it takes me to record. There's about eight minutes left as of right now uh, at the time of recording in the Villanova game. I'll sort of keep you guys updated on it as well. Um, I know it'll be just a little bit after the fact, but just in case you guys are on the road here, uh, hopefully I'll be able to give you a final score uh, and tell you who Carolina is going to be playing uh, in uh, the semifinals of the Battle for Atlantis. Tomorrow, as of right now, Villanova up 65-55 over Texas Tech. Texas Tech struggling from the field, uh, sort of like Carolina did early in this game. And uh, that was really the story for the Tar Heels in the first half. A lot of people were nervous uh, because this was a game that Carolina, you know, in a lot of people's minds, including ourselves, we thought they would come out. Uh, and maybe not dominate out of the gate. Uh, I, I said that I thought they'd win it by 15-plus, and I, I got that right. I thought it would be close to start the second half. I did not expect Carolina to be trailing nearly the entire first half to a Northern Iowa team that, you know, admittedly came in struggling a little bit coming into this game. They were not off to the greatest start to their season. And in the first half, uh, they did what it seems like a lot of teams like to do against Carolina, which is come out and have their best shooting night uh, of the season. Uh, first half, 60% from the field, 15 at 25. Uh, just 3 of 8 from downtown, but really did a great job of getting in the paint. Carolina had absolutely nothing for uh, the Northern Iowa dribble drive in the first half. 
Uh, and I, I don't know. It, maybe Carolina was just a little bit sluggish getting off the plane. That's kind of what it looked like. Uh, it just looked like a team that, I'm not going to say they weren't bought in, but it just seemed like there wasn't a lot of energy there. It was a 12 o'clock game, a little bit of a sleepy environment. But look, it's it's not an excuse. Northern Iowa was playing in the same type of, type of circumstances, uh, and they played incredibly well. Uh, and Carolina's problem in the first half was really just not being able to knock down open looks. Carolina had plenty of them in the first half, including from three, uh, but they shot just uh, 33%, 9 of 27 from the field, 3 of 13 from beyond the arc. Uh, a lot of their success came at the foul line. Carolina was 14 of 16 in the first half, uh, and that really sort of kept Carolina in it. I mean, 14 of their 35 points came from the charity stripe. Uh, they got out-rebounded in the first half, 18 to 12. Uh, which, you know, kind of had you a little bit concerned based off of what we had seen from Carolina uh, in the uh, first three games of the season where teams were able to compete with them on the glass. To be down by six on the glass to a Northern Iowa team that, as we told you, coming into it is a relatively small team, uh, I think was a little bit concerning, although the long rebounds uh, were a big reason for that because uh, of the shots that Carolina was taking and missing from the perimeter. Um, in the second half, things changed almost immediately. Carolina comes out of the gate, 8-0 run, first two minutes of the half. So they came out hot. You wondered, okay, timeout by Northern Iowa. Is this going to be something that Carolina can carry over uh, after that timeout? Because look, against UC Riverside, I mean, yeah, Carolina had a tremendous start to the second half where they didn't allow them to score for uh, nearly nine minutes of game action. I'm uh, really pulled away, but that was UC Riverside, a team that it, you know might be the worst team you play this entire season, at least uh, until uh, or really at all. Um, I think there you know might be a couple other ones along the way that could rival it. Some of them may be in the ACC for crying out loud. Looking at you, Notre Dame, uh, but you know I, I think Carolina sort of used that game as maybe a little bit of of you know, a learning, uh, you know, a little bit of a lesson um, for them in this game because it seemed like they did a lot of the same things uh, in this second half that they did in the second half the other night. Carolina just absolutely shuts down Northern Iowa for the first 10 minutes, allows just eight points, scores 34, and flips this from a six-point game uh, at halftime where they were trailing to a 22-point lead, uh, just an immaculate turnaround for the Tar Heels, and a lot of it due to their ability to shoot the uh, outside shot. 9 of 13 from beyond the arc in the second half. Carolina came in in the first seven halves of the season. They had, they had made just 21 threes. In the final half of this game alone, they get nine of them to go down. Three from Harrison Ingram, three from Cormac Ryan, Two from R.J. Davis. Elliot Cadeau sprinkled one in there. Uh, and it was part of just a, a great all-around shooting half for Carolina. 17 of 34 from the field, 50%. Uh, and 13 of 15 from the foul line. So still really efficient at the foul line. Very efficient in the second half overall from the field. And especially from beyond the arc, something that we've been looking for from this team. I'll break that down a little bit more, Carolina's uh, you know, a, a three-point shooting half that they had, whether or not this is something that can sort of jumpstart them. But 
I mean, you just you just look at the turnaround in the second half, and I mean, just look at the plus-minus numbers. Harrison Ingram, plus 26 in the second half. First half, he was minus 8. Uh, Cormac Ryan, plus 21 in the first half, minus 2. R.J. Davis, plus 24 in the second half, minus 3 in the first half. So Carolina, I mean, it was just, it looked, they, they looked like a completely different team out there. Uh, and I think a lot of credit has to be given to uh, not only the players themselves, but Hubert Davis for making adjustments in that halftime locker room. Well, let's take a little bit more in-depth look at the box score. Uh, and as Josh would say, it's a uh, it's a pretty one for Carolina. Uh, it, it, this is one that you know Carolina. I'm not going to say they want to frame it, um, but maybe 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 that second half is one that can make it on to uh, Hubert Davis's fridge. Uh, you know, overall from the field, Northern Iowa actually finishes with the edge, 45% uh, from the field to Carolina's 43% from the field. Carolina scores 91 points in this game while shooting their lowest percentage uh, of the season. So they score their most points of the season, but do it with their lowest field goal percentage of the year. A little quirky there, but I think it shows you just how impactful those threes were. Uh, from beyond the arc, uh, Carolina had the edge here, believe it or not, after such a slow start from back there. Carolina 12 of 16, 46% from beyond the arc. Uh, meanwhile, Northern Iowa 6 of 17, 35% from deep. By the way, Northern Iowa, a team that came in shooting 27 threes a game. Carolina in the second half did a great job of running them off of that three-point line. Um, really in both halves. Uh, they, they were almost evenly split from beyond the arc. But a great job by Carolina to make sure uh, that you know they, they kept Northern Iowa from shooting a lot of threes and knocking them down. Because early on, the way they were shooting, now granted it was inside the arc, you were wondering if that could be something that could hurt Carolina uh, when it was all said and done. But it didn't. Free throws. Uh, Carolina 27 of 31 at the foul line, 87%. Uh, Northern Iowa, they got to the free throw line a pretty good amount, 22 times. That was something coming in. Carolina had done a good job of keeping opposing teams off of the free throw line. Not as good of a job of, of that in this one, but Northern Iowa was one of the things that we mentioned in the preview. Northern Iowa is a team that struggles at the free throw line. They were just 15 of 22, 68%. The other big difference in this game were the turnovers. 17 Northern Iowa turnovers in this game. Carolina turns that into 25 points off of turnovers. That is absolutely massive. Meanwhile, Carolina turns the ball over nine times. But Northern Iowa only able to convert that into nine points. Uh, rebounds, Carolina, as I mentioned, it, the first half, they were minus six on the glass. They finished plus three. You'll take that, especially when you had that type of margin at halftime. Carolina, 36 rebounds. Uh, you had 33 rebounds for Northern Iowa. 12 offensive rebounds for Carolina. Uh, just nine second chance points, though, that they were able to turn that into. Northern Iowa, meanwhile, seven offensive rebounds, seven uh, second chance points. Bench points, Carolina with the edge here as well. Their bench played really well today. 37 points uh, to Northern Iowa's 22. Uh, Northern Iowa points in the paint, 28 for them. Uh, Carolina had 20. Uh, fast break points, Carolina with the edge, 8 to nothing. Uh, another area that was huge for Carolina defensively were the blocks. Nine blocks in this game 
for Carolina. Uh, tremendous, including three for Cormac Ryan. I mean, Armando Baycott had three, but he's a big man. You would expect that at times from him. For Cormac Ryan, a guard, to have three blocks, it shows you the commitment that Carolina had on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, steals, Northern Iowa with the 6-4 advantage and assist. Carolina much better in the second half. They had 14 assists in the game to Northern Iowa's 12. Uh, so we, we uh, now go to the quote of the game. Hubert Davis, after the win, talking in the post-game press conference, it was one of the first things that was brought up to him. What was your message to the guys in the locker room in the second half, and why were things able to change the way that they did? Here's what he had to say. I challenged them because um, you know, I just didn't feel like we were playing our best on both ends of the floor and just to challenge him um, to be better. And the, the change in the second half was 100% them. You know, um, just the energy and the effort uh, defensively. Um, I thought they did a really good job contesting shots. In the first half, they shot 60% from the field. And I mean, that's hard to do that by yourself with nobody guarding you in the gym. In the second half, it, it started off defensively, then we rebounded the basketball. And then offensively, I just, I, I, we were taking really good shots and um, just executing on the offensive end. And we started to find a lot of confidence when Harrison and Cormac were hitting shots and then we just took it from there. So there you go. I mean, look, this was something that, you know, we wanted to be able to see more from Hubert Davis uh, this season was, was coming out, making adjustments in the second half and his team really responding to it. And look, that's not all on Hubert Davis. If your team doesn't respond to the messaging, at times you just have to look some of these guys, look at some of the guys on the team and say, it's probably them. And I feel like Carolina, the, the, the messaging from Hubert Davis was definitely correct in this one, but give a lot of credit to these guys that stepped up and really just started making shots in the second half. I think that was the biggest thing. Yeah, they were great defensively uh, in that second half, and I think... You know, that, that also shows the buy-in factor. But the fact that they were able to still go out there, still put up those shots when they were open. I mean, this it would have been easy after that first half to, you know, start overthinking some things, not taking some of those outside shots. They didn't. R.J. Davis hits a big three that sort of starts it all, and everybody else just starts getting rolling. So a, a great commitment from them there. And then on the defensive end of the floor, I mean, what they did, again, for the second straight game to come out that way in the second half, I mean, clearly this team is connected to their head coach, Hubert Davis. Clearly this is a team that's motivated to bounce back from some of those slower halves where it seemed like at times last year, if Carolina had a slow first half, that was pretty much it. Carolina just felt like this is going to be us for the rest of the night. There's nothing we can really do about it. They were never able to make the type of runs that we've seen here in these last few games. I mean, I said it. Last year, an 8-0 run would have felt like a miracle for Carolina, let alone having a 34-8 run to begin a half. And to do it against a team that is thought of as highly as Northern Iowa was entering the season – I think that's special. I think that's something you can really build off of. 
if you're Carolina. The stat of the game has to be second-half shooting. There's a lot of things that you could pick. Uh, turnovers is definitely up there, especially since Carolina uh, created 25 points off of 17 turnovers. But I think if Carolina doesn't shoot the way that they did in the second half and hold Northern Iowa uh, to, to uh, the type of shooting half that they had, I don't think there's any way that Carolina wins this game. Carolina, again, 50% from the field in the second half, 17-34. They hold Northern Iowa to just 32.1% after Northern Iowa shot 60% in the first half. Uh, so a lot of credit needs to be given to these guys. The versatility, I think, uh, the ability to um, you know switch screens so easily for Carolina, which is something that's gotten better and better as we've gone game by game here. Um, the length of Carolina, I think, bothered them in the second half. And I think more than anything, you know, a lot of credit needs to be given to Hubert and his staff for getting aggressive. You saw more of it in the second half, full court press. Um, you saw uh, the half-court pressure that Carolina was putting on. That is so much different than a year ago. I mean, that's something that Josh has talked about so much. Uh, I mean, again, the man, I know he was on a flight, and uh, he, he told me he did not see the second half, uh, which may be the reason that Carolina won. We are going to investigate that a little bit more. Um, but, I mean, the dude probably had a sense that his that, that this team was full core pressing and may have let out an audible moan on the plane uh, because there is nothing that seems to make this, to turn that dude on more from a basketball sense than uh, guys that than a coach that wants to be aggressive and full core press and that's what you saw from Hubert Davis in this game you're seeing it more and more and a lot of credit needs to be given to him let's talk about some of the takeaways from this game. And let's get right back into that dominant defensive performance. And again, it was really the second half where Carolina started to take over. The thing is, is that at moments in the first half, Carolina did a good job of defending. Um, they created some turnovers. Now, a lot of those were unforced errors. Um, but there were, you know, there were times where Carolina was able uh, to force Northern Iowa into tough shots. Shots were just going down. The biggest problem was, though... Carolina, whenever Northern Iowa would drive the lane, especially you know some of their some of their wing guys and even some of their big men were able to just drive right past guys, um, which is something that cannot happen. That's uh, you, you got to find a way to start a little bit quicker on the defensive end of the floor. I definitely think uh, that's something that's going to be worth talking about moving forward uh, for Carolina because. You, know, you saw it against Radford. You saw it against uh, Lehigh to a certain extent. Um, and in this game, again, where a te teams are just able to get off to quick starts offensively against Carolina, uh, the on-ball defense is something that we start getting concerned about a little bit in the first half, and then Carolina turns it on in the second half. But like I said, second straight game, this was just a, a flip of a switch. Completely different team. Uh, the pressure, I think, really helped. But Northern Iowa just simply had no answers for Carolina on that end of the floor. And once shots stopped falling for Northern Iowa, you could see that the great ball movement that they had in the first half really started to dissipate. It was a team that became very stagnant, sort of what we saw from Carolina's offense in the first half. And really, it looked like a team that panicked. And all the credit in the world needs to be given to Carolina uh, for getting them to that point. In terms of, you know, the guys that really stood out, I mentioned earlier, you know, Carolina's blocks, they had nine in this game. Armando Baycott with three inside. 
uh, tremendous day for him on the defensive end of the floor, even though he wasn't great on the offensive end of the floor. And then I, I really thought, you know, Cormac Ryan stepped up. I said it. I've, I've been saying it. I, I think this guy is a good defender. I think you just have to give him a little bit of time maybe to settle in. Um, I was a little concerned early in the season with how he was playing ball screens, but I think uh, he has done a really good job since that Lehigh game of stepping up and defending uh, against the screens well against UC Riverside and then again today. Um, and I thought today was his best defensive performance. Uh, I thought he was outstanding uh, for the most part, uh, especially in the second half, did a good job of staying in front of guys. Um, and I think, you know, the blocks, just hustle plays from him. A guy that plays hard. And it seems like just about every guy on this team is like that. And that's what's different from last year. But those are the types of things that are going to show up uh, you know, in, in the minds of Carolina fans, but in this case, in the box score, when you hustle back and you play defense. Uh, Jalen Withers, I think, was probably the star of the show, though, on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, again, you talk about versatility. That was the guy that I think just completely threw things out of whack for Northern Iowa. I mean, how many times was, you know, he up against, you know, a, a, a different guy and found a way to affect uh, something about what that player was trying to do, whether it was get to the lane, um, even just dribbling on the perimeter, getting a hand in there to knock the ball away. I mean, there were so many different times he was able to get his hands on the ball defensively, and that is huge for Carolina to have a guy like that because I think a lot of people were concerned when Leaky Black left, what would this team look like defensively? Well, you've got a versatile defender in him. You've got another guy in Seth Trimble who's extremely versatile defensively. I know people were probably a little bit frustrated with what Carolina looked like coming out of the gate with him in the game, but it doesn't take away from the fact that he's still a valuable asset and a guy that can defend well. So you're seeing that this, you know, we talked about the last few years. We thought Carolina was going to be a much better team defensively. I think this time around, you can actually believe it. Just like with the depth of this team, um, again today, really rotated nine guys. Um, I mean, this is what this team is going to be. Um, I think defensively you can kind of say the same thing, that this is going to be a team that at times, yeah, there will be games where Carolina will probably struggle a little bit defensively, um, but for the most part, this is going to be a team uh, that can defend at a pretty high level just because of how many different guys they have that can guard uh, all over the ball, you know, all over the court. And I think uh, that's, that's something that's extremely valuable for this team and can only help them, especially if they are able to start turning those turnovers that they have into live ball turnovers and getting out on the run. Uh, as I mentioned, one of the big things for Carolina in the second half was the three-point shooting. And really, I, I think the biggest takeaway here is that the three-point shot finally starts to go down. And you wonder if this is the moment where things sort of get jump-started. Um, you know, it, it had been a rough start to the season for Carolina beyond the arc. I mean, at one point earlier today, Cormac Ryan was 3 of 17 from outside. Uh, and that was one of the reasons that he was brought in here, was he was a shooter. Carolina knew that they were bringing in a guy uh, that could hit shots uh, from beyond the arc, but just from the perimeter in general. This game got him going. And I really think, you know, a lot of credit has to be given to him for 
uh, being confident with the shot. Um, just you know, even when he gets the chance in the second half after a poor uh, first half of shooting, he finds a way to step up and knock down the shots uh, that Carolina needs, and was a big part of the reason why Carolina was able to pull away. Uh, in this second half. If he doesn't shoot the way that he shoots, then I, I honestly don't think Carolina wins this game. Um, it, it's just, you know, this is what Carolina needs. They need guys like him. You know, Jalen Withers is a guy that, uh, you know, Carolina wants to see get going uh, from outside. He, uh, you know, was outstanding in that second half offensively as well. Um, you know, four or five from the field knocks down uh, a three uh, himself, uh, and and I think you know, look, he was two for two in the second half of the game from the field. Uh, but you know, you you started to see some things offensively from him in this game. Um, you know, Elliot Cadeau knocks down his first three, so you like to see that happen. Harrison Ingram outstanding from beyond the arc, four of six. He's another guy that I think a lot of people don't talk about him getting going from beyond the arc. He's another guy that Carolina really needs to be able to knock down the three ball because it seems like he gets a, a lot of good looks from beyond the arc. I don't know if it's that people still think Leaky Black is out there, um, but Harrison Ingram can shoot it, and we saw that today. I think there is a chance, you know, out of all these guys, Harrison Ingram might be the most efficient three-point shooter that you have on the team this year. So to see him connect from beyond the arc like that was great, and R.J. Davis even he heating up a little bit from beyond the arc. Three of seven overall from beyond the arc, but two of three in that second half when it really mattered. So hopefully this is what sort of gets these guys going because we expressed our concern and we said this is something that Carolina has to be able to do here in Nassau if they want to be able to win this tournament. Well, in the first game of this tournament, it didn't start out great. But I said it, if you can get to 10 threes a game, I feel confident that the rest of this group uh, will be able to carry you enough offensively to win games. They got to 12 today, and you saw how comfortable they were uh, at the end of the game uh, in that second half. So I, I think, I'm not saying that you'll be able to win by that much in each game of the tournament if you shoot that way. But if you can get to that double-digit three-point mark in each game, I really do think it sets Carolina up for a, a, a chance to win this tournament. Um, I, I, you know, it's just does it carry over? I think we'll learn pretty quickly uh, against Villanova whether or not it does. Final takeaway is the secondary guys that stepped up. Uh, with Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis not having their best days. Look, R.J. Davis in the end, 4 of 11 from the field, 13 points. So not a great shooting day, but still gets 13 points. Armando Baycott, 10 points on 3 of 8 shooting. Uh, just 8 rebounds for him. So again, not a typical Armando day. Not the best performance you're going to see from R.J. Davis, especially in that first half. But you got to like the other guys that stepped up. Harrison Ingram, 16 points, 5 of 12 shooting, 4 of 6 from beyond the arc. Rips down 10 rebounds, uh, 6 career double-double for him, uh, as well as his first as a Tar Heel. Cormac Ryan, 15 points in this one, just 3 of 12 overall from the field. But 
All three of those field goals from beyond the arc, which were huge. Six of six at the foul line, the most uh, free throw attempts of anybody uh, on the day for Carolina, as well as the most uh, free throw makes. Uh, three blocks in this game, tied for the team lead, uh, and was just simply outstanding in this one. And then another guy that I think at this point we got to start having a serious conversation about what his role could be moving forward uh, and probably creates an interesting debate that I'll talk about when I preview the Villanova game here coming up later this evening is Elliot Cadeau and the type of performance that he puts up. 15 points in this game, 5 of 9 from the field, uh, most efficient player for Carolina on the day outside of Jalen Withers. Um, you know, one of three from beyond the arc, four of five at the foul line for him, had three assists, uh, no turnovers in this game. You're seeing a guy that is growing uh, and, and is starting to show signs of being that type of player that Carolina can rely on to play, you know, potentially starter minutes. I mean, he plays 23 minutes in this game. Uh, that's that's more, believe it or not, than Armando Baycott uh, and almost double the amount that Seth Trimble, the guy who started the game, uh, played. Uh, and Jalen Withers is going to be in that conversation as well for guys that could, be, uh, could provide Carolina with the best starting lineup. 11 points, 4 of 5 from the field, uh, 1 of 2 from beyond the arc, 2 of 2, from the foul line for him, four rebounds, uh, just such a versatile guy for Carolina that does so many different things. But all of those guys that I just talked about right there stepped up, two of them coming off the bench in Cadeau and Withers. I, I mean, this is just a team that you know looks like it has so much more depth than a year ago because, look, if this was uh, the team a year ago, Armando Baycott struggles that way. R.J. Davis has a rough shooting night like that. Carolina probably loses this game uh, when it's all said and done. This team, completely different. There's so many different guys that can affect the game. And that's the thing. Even when Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis were struggling as badly as they did in the first half to impact the game, Carolina still finds themselves down just six. And, you know, I, I know that we were probably all saying to ourselves, oh, no, this is shades of what this team did last year. I think part of that was just because of the lack of ball movement, some of the rush shots that Carolina was taking. But I, I do think that this, this group still showed you that they had enough talent to keep themselves around in this game, even though things did not start out uh, as well as they probably hoped. Uh, and then, you know, you see what happens when you're able to keep yourselves in shouting distance uh, when when they get into the second half. Carolina turns it on and just runs away from Northern Iowa for a huge victory. So that is your look back at the game against Northern Iowa, guys. Make sure you head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Check out the recap of the game against Northern Iowa. Josh is going to have you covered on the preview side of things. Don't know if that'll get up before we do tonight's edition of the podcast, but that's right. I will be back later this evening, again, by myself. But again, uh, I'll be there later this evening to talk about uh, Carolina's game uh, that lies ahead against the Villanova Wildcats. That's right. Villanova takes down uh, Texas Tech. Uh, pretty much, you know, a, a dominant second half from them. Uh, really, they, it, it was dominance from uh, the point in the game where they uh, took a 
Uh, 30, uh, where Villanova took a 28-20 lead. Uh, an 8-0 run uh, after that game was tied at 20. A really good start, actually, uh, believe it or not, to the game for uh, for Texas Tech uh, led actually the majority of the way before that, um, but simply did not have enough for Villanova. Very talented Villanova team that lost uh, there to, to Penn last week, uh, and I think that kind of made us question a little bit, including myself, admittedly, uh, question a little bit uh, as to what this team uh, actually was. Uh, if this would be a team that could make a run in this tournament, well, they looked the part today. There, as they take down Texas Tech, 85-69, to 69, they advance on to face Carolina tomorrow. I'll be back with that preview later on this evening, guys, so make sure uh, that you are checking all that out. Also, just quickly, make sure uh, also that you're checking out on the website side of things uh, the football coverage, Carolina getting ready to face off against NC State. An article up there yesterday. Uh, Drake May spoke to the media, provided a little bit of an update on where he stands with some of his future plans, uh, including his NFL draft decision and what he will do for the upcoming bowl game, at least at this time. So make sure you go back, check all of that out, and listen uh, to the Heel Tough blog podcast as well if you want to get caught up on everything football. But for now, that shuts it down for this edition of the Four Corners podcast. Make sure you guys uh, are uh, subscribing to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast so that you don't miss any episodes and so you catch the one later on. So, once again, that'll wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter!